Welcome to the Fortinet Cyber Resilience and Financial Services Podcast. We're going to be talking about strategies for enhancing the resilience of financial institutions. In the next three episodes, we're going to discuss the upcoming European Union Digital Operational Resilience Act, better known and a lot easier to say as DORA. Now, I'm Joe Robertson, your host for this series of podcasts. I'm the Fortinet Chief Information Security Officer for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. My guest for today is a colleague in the Fortinet office of the CISO, Ricardo Ferreira. Welcome, Ricardo. Thank you, Joe. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the global impact that DORA is going to have on the financial sector, as well as on providers of services to the financial sector. So, Ricardo, once again, thanks for joining the podcast today. DORA is currently in the process of being finalized with adoption planned for sometime around the end of 2022. Now, DORA regulations focus on reducing the risk and increasing the resilience of the information and communications technologies of financial institutions. So let me start by just asking you this most basic of questions. What exactly is DORA? Could you perhaps give us an overview of the main areas that it covers? Definitely, Joe. So before we jump into that, I would just like to say that last week there was a major milestone in the sense that the trilogue conversations, so the conversation between the three parties, European Commission, the Council of the European Union, and the European Parliament went and approved DORA. So, and they reached a provisional agreement. So, that's a major milestone before it goes into law into each of the EU member states. And now to talk about what it is. So, if we take a big step back, we see that banks on the last five, eight years, they've been trying to modernize themselves. But with this digitization, it also comes risk. And one of the big focus that DORA tries to bring is the harmonization of risk management across the state members. Okay, what kinds of harmonization would that involve, would you say? So traditionally, Joe, it means that bank in Germany would like interpret the law in their own regards and will like have like a risk management framework that they will implement. Another bank in France would use a slightly variation. Another bank in another EU member would use also another variation. And as you can know where we are going with this, it just creates a bit of friction when they are trying to have a horizontal layer that actually harmonizes the risk management, and that just creates friction. So that's the type of risk management harmonization that we are talking here as well. Okay, and what kind of uh, requirements are being put into the DORA uh, framework? The proposal says that they want to harmonize through a risk management. That's number one. The second is all about resilience testing, where FSI firms will need to have a cadence on how they test their systems for resilience, like test their business continuity plans, do network security assessments, and so on. That's number two. The third is how banks will be allowed to share some data regarding how they perceive the threats, so TTPs, IOS indicators of compromise techniques, uh, basically threat intelligence and best practices amongst themselves. 
and fourth and last on how they need to communicate their their breaches or their intrusions to the overseers. Okay, now some of those items sound pretty familiar, actually. There are aspects of those that are in other regulations and frameworks, such as NIS and, and then the upcoming NIS 2, uh, GDPR, uh, Basel 3, and then uh, ultimately 4. How does DORA relate to those and other frameworks that are specific to a particular region or a particular country? So first, Basel uh, is all about uh, liquidity or capital requirements because of the financial crisis that we had in 2008, right? So regarding NIS 2, we actually, last week, it was a major milestone for DORA where we had like that provisional agreement reached, but we also had the provisional agreement reached for NIS 2 as well. One of the aspects that I would like to mention is that uh, there's an over... Actually, DORA builds on top of NIS, right? So there's some people that are concerned about the overlaps. And the way that um, DORA and NIS 2 has been integrated is that DORA has something called Lex Specialis Exemption, which it's fancy terms for exemptions so that the um, the overlaps are addressed and so to make sure that there's a horizontal uh, harmonization across DORA and NIS as well. Okay, does a UK financial institution uh, that wants to do business with Europe, does it have to conform to DORA or is the, the FCA uh, a requirement uh, a functionally equivalent? So the way that it's been going on, and at least what I've been talking with customers, so for instance, there's a major bank in the UK that is actually building a data center, and it's uh, looking at DORA to make sure that their data center is going to be compliant with this, also about their processes. So any major bank nowadays will have like businesses across boundaries, and they will have different jurisdictions. They will have presence in several jurisdictions. So it's in their best interest that they comply with uh, the European and also the UK one, depending on their jurisdictions and where they are present for their um, branches and so on. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, of course, finance uh, is viewed by governments around the world as a critical sector for them. And and that's why they're working to reduce systemic risk, uh, including cyber threats, hence DORA. Okay. Increasing the resiliency of that financial system is obviously a high priority. But in cybersecurity, and you alluded to this a little bit before, it's important for the community to work together and share as much threat intelligence as possible. However, banks and brokers and other financial services actors, they're all in competition with each other, and governments usually aren't really fond of competitors working together and sharing information. So there are often strong sanctions for that sort of anti-competitive behavior. So how is DORA different? How is it conducive to getting the FSI community working together to mitigate systemic failure and risk across the sector as a whole? As an industry, FSIs are very secretive. And you touched a very good point, which in my upcoming book that was just released, that organizations actually need to go on beyond enforcement controls. So what you said about suasion controls, how do we make sure that firms can actually use an hard nudge in the right direction regarding how they can share data? So DORA 
is actually has a provision that allows banks to share the best practices and also threat intelligence and so on. Because that's how they actually can improve the state of the market. And one good example that has been happening in practice is the TMNL. So excuse my Dutch, but it's something like Transactee Monitoring Netherlands, which is like uh, the top banks from the Netherlands have joined forces to exchange uh, data from their transactions to try to identify fraudulent transactions and money laundering. So, and we've seen that that has actually worked very well. And we also need the same for cybersecurity, where banks exchange data on the threads, on the advanced persistent tra- actors, and actually how what has been the methods and tools that have worked better for them. Okay, so when it comes to at least sharing cybersecurity and threat information, the the EU Competition Commissioner isn't going to be coming after the, the financial services industry. Not with Dora, as long as they fulfill, as long as they respect what is in the proposal, which is sharing the best practices, sharing data about threat intelligence and so on. Okay. Well, I've got one further question, Ricardo, and then we're going to wrap this up. Dora has obvious impacts on the financial sector as a whole, but that impact isn't just limited to FSI, actually. It extends out to anyone who's selling services or technologies into financial institutions. This is especially true of cloud providers, uh, is who I'm thinking of. And that doesn't just mean Azure and AWS and Google Cloud. It could be anyone who's delivering IT or applications to financial services company. So how is Dora going to affect them? This is a major proposal of Dora, which traditionally uh, the service providers have hasn't haven't been liable, right? So with Dora, there's a proposal that third service party providers, as long as they are providing what is considered a critical business process, they're going to be liable. So they need to provide. An SLA, they need to provide um, active um, support as long as it is part of a critical business process. What that means is actually we also need to take a step back, Joe, because if we look at what actually, why is this going on, is that the European Commission also saw that from a data perspective, there's a lot of data from the EU going outside the EU. And the major, the cloud providers is just a handful of them and they're all American. And that just leads to the concentration risk. So with Dora, it means that the concentration risk and the exit strategy of the cloud providers and third service providers need to be considered, meaning that uh, you need to think about where you don't put all your eggs in one basket and where are you going to put your eggs, right? How do you distribute your workloads in order to reduce that concentration risk? From an exit strategy, it means that if you're going to adopt a a cloud provider or a service provider, you're going to need to make sure that in 30 days, 15 days, you are able to shift your entire workloads to another provider, right? And actually, for the service providers and for the cloud providers, if they fail in in providing their service, they can be liable. And that liability is a big one. It's like 1% of the average worldwide turnover of the preceding business year. 
That's a huge find. I can see why service providers are going to want to be really focused on complying with Dora because if they if they're showing uh, reasonable care and best practices, that's going to help to mitigate that. I would assume. Oh yeah, definitely, Joe. And that's why, like, if you look at the major cloud providers, they are trying to hire a lot of um, people with knowledge on Dora, but there isn't. But if you go and look at job postings from the major cloud providers, all of them are trying to hire people with uh, understanding on this new regulation. Okay. So I think we've covered an awful lot of ground here on a very important aspect of cybersecurity for the financial services uh, uh, industry. Ricardo Ferreira, I'd like to thank you very much for this insightful conversation. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our audience has too. For our audience, I want to make sure that you stay close for new episodes of the Fortinet Cyber Resilience in Financial Services podcast. In a few weeks, our next episode is going to be taking a closer look at risk management and how Dora changes how you need to plan for it. After that, we'll be focusing on threat intelligence and threat management, which are crucial to keeping up a good security posture and demonstrating conformity to Dora and other regulations, of course. I'm Joe Robertson with Fortinet. Thank you for your attention. We'll be back soon with another episode of Cyber Resilience in Financial Services.